Fresh Revelation. I've read this book many, many times over the years. And this week I had fresh revelation. And I want to share some of that with you this morning. It's interesting that in this pre-Easter period, which we call Lent, it's a time where we look at what we might give up or give over. And um, I never feel particularly constrained in giving things up, you know. I don't think that's my lot. But I will share with you something this morning of a time when the Lord did speak to me about that. And as a result of that, I'm standing here today. Had I not said yes then, I don't believe I would be standing here today. And that's 30-something years ago. But when Kirk asked if I'd speak about this passage in Luke 9, which is where Jesus addresses his disciples, and to talk about discipleship, that speaks deep into the heart of who I am and what God has called me to. Jesus lays out in this picture in Luke 9, and let me find it for you and read it to you, if you have your Bibles with you or your Bible apps. It's Luke 9. It carries on from where last week Kirk did a brilliant job of challenging us to know where we get our truth from. And this is where Jesus had asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Not who does the world say or what does history say, but who do you say? And there was a revelation that was made to the disciples, to Peter particularly, from God, who could then, Peter could answer and say, well, you're, you're the son of God, essentially. And so then Jesus goes on, and in Luke 9, verses 21 through 27, uh, we read these words. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and my words, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed of the Father and of the holy angels. But truly I tell you, these are, and there are some standing here who will not see death before they see the kingdom of God. Next week, Neil is going to pick up and speak about the next part of this chapter. But those words, as I read them, when Kirk issued the notes and suggested we follow this chapter through, I thought I've read this many times and I know what it is, but the Holy Spirit really gripped my heart and challenged me through one whole night, I slept for two hours, and for the rest of the night he was having me review my life in line with this passage of scripture. The disciples were each invited by Jesus in this passage to come follow me. That's what the invitation was, come follow me. 
And he says that we're to take up our cross daily. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God into the earth and to release through his followers the kingdom beyond his time on earth. Originally the 12, but also others who gathered to him and his time of kingdom come ministry on the earth. From baptism to the cross to the empty tomb. This picture, I believe, is a blueprint that we don't often get challenged to as the church. Baptism to the cross to resurrection. Those who want to be disciples of Jesus must understand that this is a personal journey and a personal invitation. Jesus didn't mince his words. He didn't say, well, maybe it's going to be tough some days. He said, daily, pick up your cross. And the, the sign of death is picking up the cross. When someone was walking with a part of the cross over their shoulder, you knew they weren't coming back. They were going to their death. And Jesus is saying very clearly, you're going to follow me into death. And so that's not a nice, comfortable thing to preach, is it? Would you sooner hear a different message than that? I would. And yet the word is clear. And so there must be something more to this. There must be something more to this. And I believe there is. The church has seen its task over the years as being to bring the gospel of the, to the lost, to the good, the good news of Jesus, the grace of God, a new life, restored relationship with the Father through the grace of God by faith in Christ. We are saved from eternal separation from God. That's the message that we as the church through the generations have brought to the world. And that is consistent with God's heart for the world. He wants no one to perish. He wants all to be saved, John 3.16. And yet, there's more. There's more on the Father's heart. Jesus, in this conversation with the disciples, calls them into the more. And we see it again in Matthew's Gospel 28, where Jesus, in his final conversation with the disciples... He says these words, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, etc., 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 baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. The passage is there, but he says to the disciples, go and make disciples. He doesn't say, go and rescue people from death. That's part of it, but his clear instruction was go and make disciples. I'm going to share a personal testimony with you today as part of this because I believe this is my best way of explaining what this is all about. Back in November 1987, I was at the first vineyard conference in Australia. And at that vineyard conference, I went forward one night feeling very comfortable with my relationship with God. I'd been journeying with the Lord, listening to the Holy Spirit. Life was good. I was very involved in the Uniting Church as it was at the time for me and I was feeling very good about my walk with God. And so when there was an invitation to come forward and recommit your life to the Lord, I said, I'm in that, marched out the front and said, anything you want, Lord. 
And he said, David, I want you to stop drinking any more alcohol. Well, suddenly the brakes went on. <laughs> Hang on a second, Lord. You know I like a cold beer on a hot day and a glass of wine with lunch. And anyway, my business requires that. And I just rabbited on for a while on my way out the front. And the Lord said, I said, is there anything else, Lord? And he said, David, I want you to stop drinking any more alcohol. And I just switched off then. It was like, this is not God, you know. Jesus, you said take a little wine for the stomach's sake. You know, I, I, I grasped all the, the little opportunities to deny that that was the word of the Lord. So I went home that night to the motel. It was in Canberra. And I rang Carol, who wasn't there with me. And I said, guess what happened to me tonight? I said, I'm going out the front. And I said, anything you want, Lord. And he said, I want you to stop drinking any more alcohol. And Carol said, are you going to say yes or no? <laughs> Very helpful not. I wanted some sort of empathy about, oh, that can't have been God. You know, you like a cold beer on a hot day. But Carol said, over to you. So I hung up, went to bed, had a great night's sleep. The next morning got up and as I was in the shower, I said, Lord... If it's that important to you, all right. It was not a very, yes, I'm going to do this. It was a, more of a resignation to, you know what, I think that was you, Lord, and it probably is important, and so, okay, I will do this. Well, that was the 11th of November, 1987. Have not, after that time, even wanted a drink of alcohol. I don't have a problem with offering it to other people in moderation, but it's... The Lord asked me to do it and I did something that was like a yes. Well, out of that flowed that day a word of knowledge where the Lord spoke to me. I shared it. A lady came forward. There was a miraculous healing, something I'd never seen before. And it was definitely a miracle of a foot that had been bent from birth, straightened, middle-aged lady. And I said, Lord, what's going on? He said, well, now that you're prepared to be obedient, I can use you. Okay. What's that? He said, David, and this, these words ring in my ears. I want you to call the body to discipleship. And I went, what? What do you mean, Lord? Don't, aren't we disciples? He said, David, I want you to call the body to discipleship. And I thought, how crazy is that? Who am I? I'm a... I'm a member of a church, I love the Lord, I'm, I've just said I won't drink any more alcohol, I've just seen a lady's, a miracle happen, but what's this called the body to discipleship business? And I couldn't work it out. I thought I was acting as a disciple of Jesus. So I argued with myself and with God about it from November through to Christmas, finally gave up and said, I don't get it, I don't know what it's to, about. On my birthday, on the 14th of March, 1988, I was invited into the office of the head of the Uniting Church in Queensland to have a cup of coffee. And, and no one had ever repeated this phrase, call the body to discipleship. I'd never heard it from anyone. And I'm still going, I don't understand that. And I'd parked it. And the person who was the moderator-elect for Queensland, for the Uniting Church, he was also in charge of mission and parish services. And so we're having a cup of tea and I'd, I'd done work in the church so it wasn't like I was a stranger to him. But he said, David, I've been praying about what to take to the church in my year as moderator. And I said, oh yeah, must be something. He said, and I feel like the Lord is saying it's time to call the body to discipleship. And I was like, bang, it's like I got hit by a truck. 
and I, I didn't fall off the chair, but I gripped it. And he said, and the other thing is, he said, as I get this, he said, I keep getting your name. And I feel like the Lord is saying that I'm to ask you, if you will, in your busy life, come with me as we go around the church in Queensland and call the body to discipleship. Boom. I went, there's a little problem with this. He said, what? I said, I don't know what it means. I've been working on it and I haven't got it. He said, that's okay. We're going to call you consultant in discipleship to the synod. I said, I don't know what it's about. He said, we'll worry about that. So an edict went out through the United Church in Queensland. David Delaney was appointed as honorary, no pay, consultant in discipleship to the synod. So suddenly I was an expert. People kept ringing me up saying, come and talk to us about discipleship. Talk about being unqualified, untrained, unknown, and suddenly the Lord de- declared that I was a, a, an expert. <laughs> How crazy is that story? How crazy is that story? But that's what happened. And so I, I began to put, the, put it together and worked out it was about a relationship with Jesus. That's what discipleship was. I thought I got that bit right. And because I'd had this whole new experience of the vineyard where we see signs and wonders and people get healed, I'm going, this is what discipleship is. It's this stuff. It's the kingdom of God coming into the earth now through the victory of Jesus over the darkness. I got it. It's all together. And that's how it's been until this week. This week, the Lord said, I've been doing the rest of that in your life since then. But this is what it really is about. It's completely and utterly dying to yourself. There are many stories that float out of that. My whole life has been... I've hung on to that act of obedience to the Lord and I, I would... It has cost me. It has cost me relationships with family who haven't understood, not this family, thankfully, but some members of my family haven't understood the fact that I say, look, I, I don't drink alcohol. Oh, but there's a special occasion. You've got to have a glass of champagne. No, look, you know, you know I've got to deal with God on this and it's, it's a no-go. And, and people at work in my business, as I had it at the time, they said, what's wrong with you, Delaney? You know, what's happened to you? Where's, well, you, know, you, know, you know a good glass of wine? I said, yeah, but I've got to wait now until I go to be with the Lord to have the next one. And so people thought I was crazy. But it wasn't hard because it was something that happened where I'd said yes to God and he took me at my word. Lent is about giving stuff up. So I had the Lenten experience on the 11th of November in 1987 and it's still going. And it's still going because it was an act of obedience. I got into trouble. People thought I was preaching law when I said if you... You know, if you do a deal with God, it's like, no, what about the grace of God? Yeah, 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 but this is, this is important too. I was misunderstood on many fronts. But it was, to me, what God had asked me to do. And so the church, suddenly calling the body to discipleship was what was my lot. So having been appointed a consultant in discipleship and knowing all about it, not... After a couple of years, I was asked to represent the church overseas in a, disciple, in a conference in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And so I go to that and 
I was a bit reluctant because I was like, you know, I, 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 do, I want to do the new stuff. I, want to, I don't want to do this old-fashioned, old evangelism stuff that the churches do. And it was the Global Methodist Church, which includes the Uniting Church in Australia. That's who I was asked to represent. So off I go because I said, I don't want to go. And, the, and Carol said, have you asked the Lord? I said, well, no. She said, maybe you should. So I said, Lord, do I need to go? He said, yes. I said, oh. And I was worried about how I was going to do my washing because I was away for 10 days and I, you know, I couldn't carry enough clothes, I didn't think. I managed to. Anyway, so the Lord said, I want you to go and I want you to do something you've never done before. So I get to Atlanta, Georgia, and there's 140 delegates from around the world and one of them was a... Chinese professor of theology who'd just been released from prison in China, having been incarcerated for many, many years, and, and all sorts of other people. Anyway, in one of the small groups, there was this guy called Gladman Kapfon Vute from Zimbabwe, and he came over to me and he said, David, before I came to this conference, I asked the Lord who I should speak to about coming to Zimbabwe to speak to our church about discipleship, and I believe the Lord saying it's you. Oh, and I said, well, Gladman, did the Lord tell you whether he was going to be black or white? You know, because I was trying to be smart. And he said, no, but it's you. And I said, well, let me tell you something. And then I shared with him that that was what the Lord had laid on my heart. So that began a journey. And part of that journey was a whole other range of miracles, which I don't have time for today. But all of them born out of following the Lord in what he's asking us to do. And so discipleship is what the church is meant to be doing. Guys, it's about discipleship. Yes, it's about helping people get free from the darkness, but it's about being willing to be used in whatever shape that looks like. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you reputation. It's going to cost you friends. It's going to cost you financially. It's going to cost you your dreams that are your dreams, but it's what Jesus invites us into. And if Jesus is inviting us into it, I believe there's some really, really, really good stuff in there. You know, God asks us to give up the things of the world so that the things of the, the spirit, the things of the kingdom will take their place. Talking to someone earlier today about the journey of life and the struggles every day, he said, I can't work out sometimes whether it's the Lord or the enemy. I said, it's both. In our daily journey, both happen. And so we need to be alert to the fact that as we choose to die to ourselves, which is what God is asking us to do, surrender our agendas, say, today, Lord, this is your day. I choose to die to every good idea I've got today and just embrace what you speak to me, Lord, for today listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to what's on God's heart. That's where the key is because what happens is as we do that, we engage with God's heart, the Father's heart because Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And as we read on in, in uh, John 5, 19, 20 and so forth, there's a bit more to that. I don't want to take up all day. But there's a real invitation to knowing what's on the Father's heart because that's what he invites Jesus to and, and the Holy Spirit's inviting us into that too. What could be more precious, wonderful and exciting than journeying inside the Father's heart for the people around us? What it calls us to is like God's heart 
is so big, he says, the whole world I want to see saved, is that we start to get in our hearts a picture of God's heart, a sense of connection in God's heart, and we love the whole world too. The people that we didn't think we could love, suddenly we look at them and go, you know, I can love you. Don't be surprised when God calls you to love people that are unlovable. But he then lets you discover his heart for them. Let you discover how the Holy Spirit will want to bring life through you as a stream of living water to those people that are otherwise never going to have a touch of the Lord. And you wouldn't have either touched them if you hadn't decided to give your day over to the Lord at the start of the day. So every day is a day of choosing to die to our agendas. And Jesus, when he was baptised, went into the desert to be tested by the, by the enemy, was beat up in the spirit but came through. Then he, he announces his earthly ministry. They take him to the edge of the cliff and want to throw him over. Then he's in the boat having a snooze and the storm comes up trying to drown them. You know, the enemy doesn't go away. He doesn't go away. In the choosing to die to ourselves, it is not... And choosing to be a disciple, it's not this warm, cuzzy, comfortable blanket wrapped around us like we're just coming out of anaesthetic in the hospital thinking, this feels really, really nice. I could stay here for a while. That's how I felt last week anyway. So, but it's not that. It's like out of bed, on the march. Because there is where the battle is. I'm sorry if you think this is a message about everything going to be nice. It's not. Not by the way we measure it normally nice. It's going to be better than that. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be an exciting adventure of life in its fullness that Jesus promised us. And it comes as we choose to say yes I will be a disciple. Yes, I will die to my agenda. Yes, I am willing to lose everything for your heart purpose, Lord, which is becoming a disciple, becoming one like Jesus who goes from baptism through the battle, through death, through the resurrection. And that's the journey for us every day. As we get up, we go yes to Jesus and we head for the cross. We go, I don't want any of my agenda, Lord. I want yours. Speak to me of it. And, you know, quite often I say, Lord, tell me your agenda and I get a blank sheet. It's not like he gives me a printed email every morning. Far from it. I go, okay, what's today, Lord? And I put on the scanner and I get nothing. So I go, okay, Lord, you've got a plan. I don't know it. Let's see what happens. And I take another step and another step and I don't step off the edge of the cliff. I managed to stop first and the Lord says, speak to this person, be nice to that person, say hello to them, what about these people, pray for them. And so that's what the day looks like. Some days are pretty good, you know, other days are pretty horrible in the worldly sense. But when I go to bed at night, it's like, wow, Lord, what a day. Sometimes I sleep, sometimes I don't. It doesn't change a whole lot of the material, physical, how life is. But it sure changes what happens up here and in here. And life is a life that can be celebrated as a disciple of Jesus. 
It's definitely a battle. And we need to stay alert in that battle. It's the enemy wants to cause us to go to sleep in the boat and stay asleep in the storm and be drowned. But Jesus stilled the storm. And he gives us that authority in the day too. Still the storm. I have a picture of being a disciple of Jesus. I shared it the other week up the coast very briefly. One, uh, with one arm I hug, with the other arm I have a sword. The sword to deal with the darkness, the hug to hold the people that God sends along in the day. That's discipleship 101, folks. It's a battle. We come, we come away wounded. Sometimes we lose a limb and the Lord sticks it back on. But at the end of the day, he has the victory because we were willing to lay down our agenda, to be obedient and to say, I will give up what I want for what you want, Lord. I don't even know what you want other than my heart and I give it to you and I ask you to take it from there, Lord, and I'm willing to follow. And the invitation today, my friends, Jesus Jesus calls us into this place of Matthew eleven twenty eight, and I love how the message puts it, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace is Jesus' invitation when we're burdened by how we're meant to be to be okay with God. And that's the problem. We, we often burden people with how they're meant to be okay with God. Jesus said, just hang out with me. Let me show you what this is like, this life. And it's being with the Father and listening to his heart through the Holy Spirit. And that's, that brings us a peace. And the storm can be all around and there's peace. I'm seeing that in a lot of the reports out of Ukraine right now. People in the middle of the battle are celebrating God's goodness because they're trusting in the grace of God and the power and the peace and the wonder of Jesus in the middle of the storm. Life is not... It is a box of chocolates. As some famous person once said, you don't know what you're going to get from one day to the next. But with Jesus as our Lord, it is good. No retreat. Be sharp. Be alert. Be ready for battle. Does it cost you? Yes. It would be very negligent of me to perhaps present this with a sugar coating. But I present it with an invitation to life in all its fullness. And the way to life in all its fullness is to die to our own agendas, to listen to the voice that says, yeah, not that David, this. Or he, he won't say that to you, he'll say your name. But whenever he speaks, take note. And giving up something that you think is pretty special and pretty important, I've learned personal testimony is the doorway to a whole different agenda. I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be here today if I hadn't said yes in, that, in, in November 87 because that led me through a journey to where we are here now. And, and I don't know what the future holds. I just know that I have been reassigned to this agenda of the Lord's. In, 19, in, the, in the 90s, I went to a conference in Anaheim before vineyards were released in Australia. I was sitting up the back and Rich Nathan, one of the speakers, was speaking out of using Jonah as the Bible study. And he said, and the Lord called Jonah a second time. And the Lord said to me, David, and I'm calling you a second time. The 
calling of the body to discipleship wasn't a job for a season, it's a calling on your life. And so whenever I get to speak, I speak about a lot of things, this is what is in there burning. But it's now burning with a greater passion to tell the whole story, not just the victory story, not just the, see the seeing of the kingdom come for deliverance and freedom, but the seeing of the fullness of the, the disciple journey with my whole life being completely given over to the Lordship of Jesus, being willing to take that cross every morning and say, not mine, but yours, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. Amen? Now, this is the big bit. The Lord has suggested that the invitation be offered for those who would want to embrace the complete picture of walking as a disciple of Jesus. Doesn't mean he's going to say to you this morning, I want you to stop this or stop that or do this or do that. But it's a, a willingness to say, yes, Lord, I see the whole picture. I see in your heart the invitation to lay down my agenda and embrace yours, whatever that may be. All glory to Jesus. Amen. Could I just thank all of those that are online this morning? I trust that this has been helpful to you to understand that Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit love you and invite you too into this expression of life that is way beyond anything that the world or the enemy could ever offer. The invitation is to you as well this day. And if there is anything you'd like to know about this journey, please contact us at the Pine Rivers Vineyard through YouTube and through the social media links that are available. In Jesus' name, God bless you.